Thank you, robot. Yeah. Once again, big props to the robot uh, third member of Monster Manual Mash. Uh, okay, where do we leave off? Let's. I'll intro the thing first. Great. Yeah. Here's the intro. This is Monster Manual Mash. Once again, this is the podcast where we look at each entry in the Monster Manual 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. Did that totally backwards. Uh, but if you're here, you probably know what that is. Looking at what makes each monster tick. What the Wizards of the Coast, the, the authors of this book, wanted you to think about these monsters what kind of niche roles they play in your game and in your imagination. And we use barely understood um, psychology and hastily looked up folklore and myths and stories. And we speculate on how to use them better and to try to get to the kind of source code of each monster and figure out how to make it better and to describe what's actually going on inside. Um, I have a standardized intro written down somewhere and one day i'll use it <laughs> but for now i'm chris lawson and i'm wes grist today's episode is about the empyrean yeah the golden boys the little the big god babies the big, yeah the uh illustration is just a a dumb he-man pale baby with yeah. muscles yeah, just like pale, uh, like himbo looking guy. Yeah, yeah. In, Dumb haircut, uh, big hammer. Yeah, with like a like yeah. a Hollywood Greek outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like a if you stripped the uh, a God of War game down to like a beta, there's probably like a, a wireframe character that looks like this somewhere. Um, but that's enough talking about the illustration. Let's dig into what the Monster Manual has to say about it. So, Celestial Children of the Gods of the Upper Plains. So, before we go any further, I think this is maybe... I know we've talked about angels and we've talked about Cambion so we, and demons and devils, so we're familiar with creatures of the Outer Plains. But I think it's sort of more important for these creatures to understand a bit more about what the planes have to do with it so overall the the outer planes are places that are out of time and space where the the channels or the modes through which the raw material of the inner planes are filtered the inner planes are all of the elements earth wind fire and water and negative and positive energy and the outer planes are where those materials kind of come to life through different uh, filters, primarily on the two famous axes of the game, law versus chaos and good versus evil. We talked about Cambians, who are kind of uh, evil half-breeds. These are similar but different on the good side of things. So the upper planes themselves are a sort of weird grab bag of concepts. I was looking them up earlier, and there's half of them sort of run into each other because um, I think having different shades of good on a scale of chaotic to neutral to law, it's not very clear. And I don't think I don't think there's a case to have so many planes. These like there are planes that are lawful good and planes that are chaotic good, like a version of Valhalla, which is chaotic good because it's battle all the time and camaraderie and spilling mead everywhere. And then there's lawful good where it's just these like impossible, this impossible mountain of rigid peace. And then there are variations within them, uh, degrees, but the degrees don't make much sense. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around. And half the time they just like stuff some gnomes in there and make like a wacky tavern in like a lawful good place and call that like the concept. Anyways, what's important to think about with the Empyrean is just like the planes that they come from, they manifest emotion. So cambians and angels don't do this. So if you think of the upper planes as channeling the raw materials, I'm going to keep talking, even as Wes has been ejected from the Zoom chat for some reason. Luckily, I'm on a roll. So they, the Empyreans channel energies just the same way. So wherever they go, 
if they have fits of rage or if they're feeling sad or they're feeling happy, then they change the material world around them. So clouds will cry tears of salt or flowers will wilt or uh, welcome back. Uh, Wes, luckily I was um, filibustering as usual. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking about how uh, knowing how the upper planes work kind of explains how the Empyreans work, where they channel energy. So they, when they're sad, materials around them take on their, their energy, their filter. So clouds cry, tears of salt, flowers wilt, dead fish wash ashore, trees lose their leaves, um, sunlight seems to follow them around. So they change the material world around them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're f- prone to these things. They're not like in control of their emotions necessarily. They are evil Empyreans. Some are turned to evil after going to the lower planes and becoming corrupted, or they're cursed by the evil gods there. They often are exiled when this happens to the material plane where they try to rule mortals as indomitable tyrants. So that's a, that's a hook. That's the first major hook yeah. in the description. You don't think you should limit it to evil Empyreans. I think even like a good aligned Empyrean trying to rule mortals would be disastrous. Yeah, totally. Because like they would, they wouldn't have the perspective of mortals in like dealing with them. It's like, um, uh, like, like even with like, like a good line one with all the best intentions and everything, they're still thinking about things in terms of like they're like a demigod. They are like a whole level beyond everybody, right? So mm-hmm. their set kind of sense of consequences wouldn't be at the same sort of level. It's kind of like a person with like an ant farm is like, I'm the best ant farm owner in the world these ants love me it's great oh wait this part's gross i'm gonna scrub this part out and that's like an apocalypse to the ants right but you're you're just like solving a little problem you know but imagine imagine an ant farm owner who shrinks himself down but is still like five times the size of a normal ant yeah and still doesn't care about the ants and is just trying to like manage them from within yeah totally Trying to like to to yeah like uh yeah that's just and like, make them yeah I know best. Look, you're complaining now, but in a thousand generations, this will be a utopia of ants. So just <laughs> just you know, be happy for your your descendants. Yeah, like you know, terrible work projects. Um, like depending on, and this all depends on the character of the the. Empyrean as well, because they're they're presented very bland and almost like a template, yeah. That you should put your own spin on, or or try to like dig into some of your world's lore, or use the planes and like pick something. But yeah. like each each god, every deity has a kind of portfolio and a sort of you know routine that they do. Um. I don't know if I could think of one off the top of my head, but let's say there's there's one that's um the Beastlands, which is like a good neutral, neutral good place. I mean, where it's just like animals living their lives in a sort of like yeah. uh benign cycle where they just manage themselves. So imagine uh like a boar god has a son <laughs> who comes to Earth and is like, I'm gonna make my little piece of land good for boars. So I'm going to remove all the people. Don't, don't really care where they go. I'm going to do it nicely. But after they leave my portfolios, as soon as they're like outside of my like line of sight, basically, then I don't care. So like mass evictions, but like orderly and like, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll give you some food, but, and like make a nice line, but leave uh, a boar world now. <laughs> That kind of thing. I, yeah, yeah, totally. And like, also, I like these Empyreans. It would be, it would seem like so obviously, like this is the right thing to do. This is the good thing to do. We need Boar World. Like, I, we can't not have Boar World. That's ridiculous. And so, um, I could very much, you know, see that kind of figure, uh, like not really getting why <laughs> people aren't, you know orderly lining up right away like yeah that needs some more like prompting and you know everything so 
Yeah, because I, I think a thing to play up with these guys is that they're children. It doesn't say in any of this description that they are like childlike. They're just children of the gods. So they can be, you know, any age you want them to be, any level yeah. of maturity. But I think the real key to like what makes them interesting is making them naive and innocent. Totally. That kind like of the, thing. the first thing that pops into my head is um, uh, Disney Hercules, you mm-hmm. know? Like, especially when he's just like a strong baby boy, just like smashing everything around him. And like, yeah. he's a, he's a demigod. Uh, you know, he's, he's, Her- he's Hercules, right? Um, and that's, that's, that was the first thing that popped into my head. You know, when I, when I think of like an Empyrean, it was like, oh, like, uh, they're just, yeah. Totally. Like what if, um, depending on how severe the Empyrean is, like an Empyrean comes to the material plane because he heard that there was evil and he doesn't yeah. like that and he's you know he's a teenager he wants to prove himself uh he's gonna go he's gonna crush some evil in a material plane but and the first he, evil he finds is like a like a childhood bullies and just yeah, like it, cracks down as hard as possible on that yeah he totally yeah. overdoes it yeah um that would be you know uh one way to twist it um and in, in a funny way and also a good way to have an Empyrean opponent who's like they're really difficult i think a high level party could take them out pretty easily because it doesn't even though they have like really high stats and everything just the way the nature of the game yeah um unless they have allies or whatever but i think a lower level party should encounter them and treat them as dangerous but not necessarily hostile so having a good aligned imperium you kind of have to like tiptoe around and like figure out how to get them to leave instead of fighting yeah. them outright. Yeah. And I can imagine there being a situation like that, um, that classic Twilight Zone where there's the kid who can just imagine into reality whatever he wants. Oh, uh, yeah. With like the reality bending powers and everyone. I mean, and he was like the point of that was like he was like this spoiled, awful kid, right? Who yeah. was totally like it, which is exactly what would happen. It would go to your head. Like anybody with that kind of power, it would go straight to your head. But so everyone was just like tiptoeing around him. I remember the Simpsons parody episode of this. Yeah. Clearly than the actual Twilight Zone episode. Absolutely. Um, but I could see like that being the sort of much darker side of like an Empyrean. If you, you've, you've got this like near reality bending godlike power that this like even well-meaning, you'd still not want to get on the wrong side of that, you know, and they could be, uh, they would definitely get surrounded by like, yes, man, right away. Mm-hmm somebody with that kind of for sure yeah that's there's a scale you can go on so you have like the evil empyrean who's like just being malicious and vindictive to an impossible degree yeah uh, and then you have the innocent but possibly destructive by accident and then you have the middle one which is the spoiled one who knows that their hot shit is not going to cause anything like isn't going to go out of its way to hurt people, but you still got to like give him all your food or make him happy. You got to like do whatever he wants. He wants. Oh, the God King demanded a birthday cake. It's got to be the size of the castle. We've got to figure it out. Yeah. Or like figure it out. I know he can do it himself, but we've got to do it. <laughs> like if he's feeling happy and he makes a big declaration, like tonight, everyone gets a birthday cake. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> He's going to be he's going to be upset and simply he, he doesn't even have to do anything on purpose. If he's upset then like the castle will just like crumble or yeah like milk will turn sour like it'll, it'll be like an environmental disaster if they don't like live up to his expectations. Totally yeah like if he if he uh, uh I don't know somebody um doesn't return uh his his poorly written love letters you know and he he's heartbroken and is inconsolably crying and it's a flood that is threatening the entire continent you know yeah and then he takes a, a up as his mission to make them fall in love with the person who wrote it in order to uphold his idea of like the romance of it yeah and then, so such a, such a being who's lording over creatures could either be an antagonist or could even be a patron who sends you on missions to do things oh, yeah, like totally. that, to like fulfill his, his uh, whims. 
you know that would be a really fun warlock patron for uh what is it the 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 pact of the celestial like the one where you're like a like sort of a cleric warlock is that that's one of the subclasses and that would be a great patron is a is a is, is an imperian i think yeah yeah i think that's the way to do it um but let's let's keep going we haven't even gotten through the uh oh, description yeah. yet that's okay i'm still not sure what the format of the show is immortal titans they don't age but they can be slain oh yeah this is kind of a neat thing they can't imagine their own end so they fight fearlessly their spirits return to the home plane where their parents resurrect them usually uh i was kind of paraphrasing there the the lines in the actual monster manual suggest that their parents like are will just resurrect them but i think what they're trying to imply is that they might not in the case of it's definitely like corrupted empyreans yeah and there's a whole kind of trick to them that that's kind of hidden in there so like they fight fearlessly but does fearless mean courageous or does it mean careless you know like do they do they do it half-assed because it's like well i don't really depends what they're doing what their motivations are but if they're like this is a fun fight i don't mind dying because these mortals are hilarious yeah it'd be like that'll just bring me back yeah it's like walking into a room full of puppies who like bite a little too hard and you're like oh this kind of hurts but like whatever (laughs) or like in a in um you know like a uh online like a like a massive multiplayer games if you uh just get like a i remember this would happen and not that it's an mmrpg but people would do this in diablo 2 where you would have this like wildly powerful character and then you would go and have out some new people that were just rolling new characters and then uh you would just blindside them and kill them because it was fun because you were so powerful you could do that you know and they're like yeah. uh and so i could see like an imperian is just like a very like they're just the way higher level you know than everyone yeah. else around them so they're just messing around yeah they might just charge a whole army of evil creatures for fun yeah and just see what happens and their parents resurrect them or not so this could be part of a mission granted to you by an actual deity like a especially a cleric could receive holy orders telling them that they need to remove their deity has an Empyrean child who is errant. They're either, you know, it could be anyone, any one of the uh, types that we mentioned, but the deity is like sick of them and wants to bring them home. Kind of like a teenager who's run away or something. And they're like, well, how do I get rid of them? It's like, well, you just, you either have to convince them to go back or you have to like defeat them in battle. You have to kill them. And their parents will either resurrect them or not. Man, and then that you know? creates a great situation where like the party cleric has to like potentially kill the child of their 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 deity that they worship you know yeah so they're yeah, at they're odds that to... way yeah and an evil That's... like a, a corrupted imperium uh would know that their chances of being resurrected are slim unless you know some gods are like pretty uh impassionate when it comes to this kind of thing like they might revive a corrupted imperium or like re-educate them or like ground them or they might like love their children unconditionally and just refuse to see, you know, the yeah. wrongdoing. You know, like like the 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 children of like billionaires and millionaires who like do this crazy awful stuff, but then like daddy's lawyers are gonna get them out of it. Doesn't matter, yeah. you know. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. It depends, you know. It depends again. This all kind of it flows from the chaos and law thing. Yeah how chaotic they are, how lawful degree of goodness, even um, how this would all fly. But it, it all, it all feels very like Greek to me, the kind of yeah. uh, mercurial um, attitudes and the, the heartlessness to mortal men that can happen when gods are having family matters. Yeah. Explode onto the material plane. So you mentioned baby Hercules. I uh, was put in mind of Hercules in New York. <laughs> One of good old Schwarzenegger's first yeah. um, feature films he starred in. That's a good example of an Empyrean who's not evil, but his dad's mad at him. And he's basically just like a runaway teenager who 
he like who went into the ant farm and surprise he's stronger and faster than all the other ants <laughs> <laughs> and he he causes havoc also be, uh you can invite not only the Empyrean and the, their immediate parents, but in Hercules in New York, Zeus enlists other gods to help him get Hercules back to Olympus, where he's supposed to be like paying attention and learning how to govern Olympus. So um, I forget the characters exactly, but somebody makes a potion that will remove Hercules' strength and they give it to him. And the maker of this potion and the deliverer of the potion place a bet on what's going to happen. And then they kind of influence some things. So then Hercules gets into like a strongman competition and loses. And then all hell breaks loose in a empty box factory, as far as I can, <laughs> as far as I remember. Um, but the gods interfere. So you can even have like other gods interfering in the life of the Empyrean to cause it good or ill. Oh, yeah. You just caught up in all the drama of the gods' family life. Yeah, so the, the players could be on one side or another or enticed to sway things and then get embroiled in like a greater plot where they are just pawns. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. I like the idea of Empyreans as like lower, uh, a challenge for a lower level party so they can really feel the like the press of the the god worlds because when you get to like higher level you start actually being able to like interfere yeah and like in a lot of ways because empyreans were sort of talking about like demigods in a way right yeah, yeah and um uh but like a really high level you know D D character like a 20th level character they're kind they're sort of demigods in their own right in a way they're impossible you know? like yeah. yeah it's 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 wild you know like the like literally a 20th level barbarian gets impossibly strong for a human to be, you know, like the, their strength score goes above 20. That's their, the capstone ability and uh, wizards or anyone who can learn the wish spell spell can just make things different, just whatever they want it to be, you know, and it depends on the, the game master, how that happens. But like, really like the highest level player characters are kind of on par with, with, with uh, like, these demigod figures so i agree that it, like it's 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 a great sort of like um i don't know sort of maybe like watershed moment for like a lower level party uh to sort of have this glimpse of what kind of powerful things are out there and like this kind of cool moment of overcoming something that's from another realm of reality you know like a whole tear up sort of thing yeah for sure gives you a taste of of things outside of your scope as a, yeah. as a mere mortal gives you aspirations maybe future future enemies or something you know lots you can do there yeah or at the very least you get to add like a cool you know title to the back of your name like a so and so such and such slayer of i, I don't know this you, you you get like a cool accolade out of that kind of accomplishment probably yeah, if you killed Hercules, you'd be a huge deal. Oh, or yeah. Or at least cause him to leave and then take credit for killing him. <laughs> their stat block, they like I kind of alluded to, they have they're as powerful as like an ancient dragon. They have a ton of at will spells that do a lot of stuff. They have a maul that stuns you, which could be big. They throw energy bolts of a damage type of their choosing. And they have legendary actions that let them attack again. They can cause an earthquake and they give, um, they have like an aura that bestows advantage and saving throws and stuff. So uh, not a lot of like, you know, mind bending stuff, but just like really solid, big, strong dude yeah. uh, energy. And they've got true sight, so you can't do anything to hide from them. Yeah. Or, or trick them with illusions. Yeah. So they make, they make really brutish obstacles and it kind of suggests that they should have allies with them, which makes sense because since they're gods, they're going to have followers or servants yeah. or something. Yeah, so that's that's where they're at. But like we said, um, you can probably take them if you're just a little bit higher level. But that's fine. That's the game. Uh, I wanted to talk about how they're different from angels. You know, there's a bit of overlap. And you can kind of... You, you already mentioned sort of um, the like rich family behavior mode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 
angels in that uh, scenario, that uh, metaphor are like the staff. Yeah, totally. Whereas, yeah, 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 the family gets to do whatever they want, but the staff has to clean up the mess and do what they're told. Totally. And like, you know, the head, the head butler has a lot of sway, right? Yeah. But still he, he, he's, he's an employee. He's, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's not the special boy, even though he's maybe even been there longer. Been there longer, more capable, more responsible, a better second to the actual deity than the child. But because of the status of the child, he gets to do whatever he wants. Yeah, totally. So then you could even have, yeah, you could throw angels into the mix who are like the straight man to the whole thing, trying to get you to like even get go behind the deities back to like remove or punish or somehow alter an Empyrean's fate against the deity's wish. I love that. So like I'm and I'm imagining the angels who have been working with this deity for millennia, like hundreds of thousands of years, right? And they're sort of like the person, people behind the scenes, like the assistant who probably would be better at the job than the actual person, you know, mm-hmm. because they're doing everything for the person they work for all the time. But they're just like an assistant of all trades. They're great. They've been doing it forever. Um, and uh, sort of so they've got to go behind the back of the god to like reel in this um, like ridiculous child who is going to destroy the whole enterprise. Um, and so the angel has to get the mortals the players to do like the actual work of the god that the god should be doing but the god's not doing because he doesn't realize he's not doing it because the angels are doing it all the time but he's too focused on his kids so it's a whole yeah stressful that's so stressful oh man imagine being that angel (laughs) imagine being an angel just that wow it's just the worst job you know it's just so it never ends yeah so many messes to clean up it's not good there's a there's kind of a clash of ideas with the angels as well. Like, yeah, the angels suggest a sort of individual god or an individual template of what is good, whereas a child of a god is a more like polytheistic, ancient. That kind of suggests a different flavor. So it's kind of, I don't know. I think it'll. I think it works out. I think you can use angels. That's yeah. Fine. I think you you can. Well, I, I mean, so much of like Dungeons and Dragons is like putting different things all together right so mm. uh uh so like like i'm like i i I've, like i could imagine a coherence sort of like theology and cosmology where you have like a polytheistic world with like multiple gods that are that are you know the incarnations of multiple aspects of reality right and then they can have their own politics and like have their own like children of the empyreans and everything like that um but each of the gods depending on their sort of thing like they could all there could be this force in the universe that manifests as solars and planars and these different you know angels in D that um at least for like the good aligned gods on that that side of the the weird uh i'm, I'm gesturing even though it's a podcast there's a circle with the inner and outer planes and all that stuff in in D, and there's sort of like the good planes are usually on the top crescent of that and so like the angels could be these little forces of that universe that coalesce into the different gods and so you could i i I could see it all making sense you know even though there's no actual real life mythology that works that way yeah i think it works good job D. &D. (laughs) you did it once in a while once in a while it works Um, i do like the idea that like the boar god and the lightning god that are both good agree to call some of the angels like solars like that's just what they're all called everywhere yeah i mean there's it's law yeah angels are lawful so they got to do it the moody the moodiness made me kind of rethink my like assumptions about the nature of law as presented in the game because to me being moody and prone to swings of mood isn't lawful but maybe i'm thinking too rigidly so Instead, you'd have to like have a more clearly defined boundary or portfolio theme for the Empyrean based on yeah. like what god they are. And then maybe just have like a few rules written down that they have to abide by or that they want to uphold. Um, but you can leave their mood to be whatever, you know, whatever, whatever pleases them or upholds the rules, makes them happy, and whatever doesn't makes them unhappy. 
like the chaotic ones, they can be the ones who are trying to like make people kiss or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the lawful ones. Yeah. Jars on top of entire neighborhoods and be like, okay, now all of you make friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're the mayor now. I've given you a special hat. Yeah. You are the poorest and craziest of everyone. Therefore, you should be in charge for a day. Maybe longer. No, you have a force field. You cannot be hurt. You are the king of the unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. I get that. But like a lawful yeah. Empyrean, which it kind of, it, the actual, the monster manual, it has at the top of the stat block, which I don't, I'd have to go through it again, but I don't think they do this anywhere else. It gives you a percentage chance of the alignment of an Empyrean. Yeah, I thought that was very strange. I don't. I haven't seen that in any other entries yet, at least. Yeah, that was so, an interesting choice. Which is weird. So it does, there's no chance of meeting a lawful good Empyrean, even though it says outer planes. So they might have just omitted that little fact, and it's supposed to be an Empyrean is a child of a god from chaotic aligned planes, maybe, but. If they're not, then you'd have to have like, you have to figure that out. I'm still not totally wrapped my head around what a lawful Empyrean would be like. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and how the, like this sort of like, what's it called? Like pathetic fallacy thing of, it, of, of like the, the, the environment around them representing their inner state. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, there's sort of an interesting angle to that that I think about with, um, a lot of I know this is true in Star Trek of Vulcans, and I think it's also true of the Eldar and Warhammer, and probably Tolkien's elves. Because if it's true of the Eldar and Warhammer, they took everything <laughs> from Tolkien. That's just the you know. But anyways, that there you have these um, ancient figures that are very stoic, um, and they appear very stoic, but in truth, they experience emotions way, way, way deeper than mortals do than humans do but it's through like discipline and focus that they have the self-control to like not show that and not let that take over even though they feel everything like a hundred times deeper than a human mm -hmm. would and so i could imagine a lawful sort of empyrean um they would you wouldn't really notice the things in the environment around them all the time because they've got that kind of self-regulation and self-control but like when um, you know, if if they're if they're like an Empyrean who is this the the child of a god of uh you know like a well uh balanced um you know like uh the uh, a secular ecosystem like one of what like the the wild beasts one. But if something, you know, uh if 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 uh, if humans show up and start like clear cutting the forest, that would have, that would legitimately upset them because that's disrupting the order and the balance that they, you know, are that they kind of like meditate with and are are sort of at, at one with. And so then you would sort of see the disruptions and like the, the, the stuff manifesting that way. Or like a god of if it was a god of like just like a lawful god of um uh you know just like a god of justice basically if 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 they're fine when like you know things are generally fair all around them but um if another god does something that they see as unjust like then maybe just the balance being upset that that's when it would come out i don't know it's it's still a little bit messy i think yeah it gets it gets tricky conceptually yeah you could even think of it, if you want to make it that rigid with lawful Empyreans and lawful gods, you could think like, okay, a god of justice, what would make him unhappy if the, the goddess of truth uh, didn't text, it, text him back? <laughs> and now he's sad. But his sadness uh, like ruins justice throughout the material plane. Or like in his, if he's an Empyrean right. of a justice god, then maybe he's like, he's spurned. So now he's going to be like, no justice for anyone. You know what? Life isn't fair. Yeah. So I think the, the material plane is sort of like, it's a place where Empyreans don't live. So they're showing up here for some reason or another. So they could be like, a lot of them could be here for all the reasons kids run away from home or like want to yeah, get away or, from their parents or, you know. It's like a vacation. Like what happens when the material plane stays in the material yeah. plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a it's a neat place because in where they're from, things are always the same, more or less. Even the chaotic places, 
there's a because they're good aligned there's like a sort of balance that yeah. eventually happens or it evens out over time but here there's the raw material of the universe yeah here all there's coming entropy, into, you know that makes it interesting there's yeah yeah there's risk involved you know so yeah yeah there's any any number of reasons to be there they could be they could be like to them they could be like at a at a dinner where they got mad at their dad and then they stormed out to the material plane for 2000 years or whatever, <laughs> but they're going to go back whenever. Cause time and space don't mean anything in these places. Yeah. Or you could, you could, you could just lift the plot of any Q episode of the next generation. <laughs> and that's what the Imperium is doing. Yeah. You know, l- less, um, um, omnipotence. Yeah. But yeah. more, but same attitude for sure. Interference, testing people for fun. Yeah, um, it's like no, yeah. no. I just think you're interesting. I just so I just uh, came to be a part of your, yeah. your 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 team for a little bit. I was just chatting with my friends, and we didn't. We have a bet for how long it will take a human being to build an entire castle by himself. So here's all the materials. I'm going to feed you well. Uh, you can bring your family, but this is your job for the foreseeable future. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Ha ha. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's great. So let's take a look at the the word Empyrean and some of the the background of of this. Empyrean, the first instance of it being used as a term is along with heaven. It's Empyrean heaven. This is a middle age idea. So the Empyrean heaven was the place in the highest heaven, which is beyond the spheres. So medieval understanding for those who thought about this kind of thing, the best that they could come up with was a sort of series of rotating nesting doll orbs that the stars and the planets were all like like socketed into and they rotated at different speeds and consistencies. And most of the uh, astronomical game was concerned with figuring out the exact speeds and um, courses of these these spheres and um for a long time uh they were really uh they were really hung up on some parts of it trying to get the math right because they were looking back at aristotle uh the the medieval sort of like cosmologists working on this kind of thing and aristotle had just decided that the distance between the planets and so those layers of spheres should correspond to musical notes of greek musical theory because uh, it was harmony and like why wouldn't it obviously it would that was just like the kind of thing that like occurred like it seems self-evident and but because aristotle said that it had to be true and so that complicated things for like maybe a thousand years because it's like, well aristotle wouldn't get something wrong so like yeah it's gotta so, be the same as music theory probably people who still believe it but probably that's fine we welcome all sorts yeah Quick interjection regarding the etymology of Empyrean. More nuts and bolts here. The first part of the word en is from the Greek en. It is near or at or in or within. And then the second part is pier, which is a Proto-Indo-European root meaning fire. So you get things like pyre and pyro, pyrite, fire and in. So within fire, you can maybe take this meaning and put it up against some of the things we talk about in this episode concerning fire and heaven and the physicality of it. So Empyrean heaven might be interpreted as a physical heaven. There are other ways of thought that say heaven is on earth or heaven is a spiritual realm, but Empyrean heaven is the physical evidence, the physical seat of heaven. It's a real place that you can go to. So the Empyrean in D&D plays with this idea because it is the stuff of fire. They are dealing with elements channeled through whatever divine portfolio that they have. So these aren't your high-minded spiritual gods. These aren't your gods of prayer, these are primordial gods. These are the stuff of creation channeled with intention. 
and they are physical evidence of a divine world. So this is this is uh, it's only slightly related. That's the main reason that people took Atlantis seriously is because Plato referred to it as a real place, and that's like the main reason that people <laughs> took it seriously, <laughs> or did for a long time. Yeah, that's because he, he talked about it like it's a real place. Yeah, this is uh, related to another point that I have written here. Um, that prior to the spheres model, there was the Pythagorean astro- uh, astronomical system. Yeah. that Aristotle uh, kind of contributed to or uh, talked about. So like, I think people learned about it through his involvement, but um, it had the earth and the moon and the sun revolving around an unseen central fire. And an interesting point in this cosmology is that there was also in existence a counter earth to um, ostensibly to explain an eclipse. So when an eclipse happens, that's yeah. not the moon going behind the earth so it's uh the earth is blocking the sun it's it's there's an actual n- another earth is moving in between the moon and earth and aristotle wrote about it and i i was reading that it's thought that possibly he included it simply because otherwise this model would be unbalanced there'd just be this one major mass the earth because the sun is kind of immaterial it's just like a ball of fire uh there's no substance to it but the earth is like a giant ball rotating so there needs to be a counterweight because all things have to have a counterweight so he was like it's probably another earth and everyone was just like yeah "Yeah, sure weirdly the counterweight idea was like kind of close to what really happens because it's not it's it's not exactly that the earth is orbiting the sun it's that the earth and the sun are orbiting the 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 center of mass between them but it's just the sun is so big that the center of mass is between the earth and the sun is inside of the sun but like that's what things orbit is is the, so it's it actually is counterbalanced yeah. weights going around things but he, I, I love the idea of it's like no it's an actual just got, it's got to be another earth what it's else other, could it be yeah a whole other planet yeah the counter earth secret planet yeah yeah counter earth uh great idea that's that's a star trek show episode with an empyrean involvement i don't know um kind of stepping away from the empyrean thing but let's let's get back to that so around 150 a.d ptolemy one of the great minds of antiquity uh published a book with a sort of a different take on the composition of the spheres that gets closer to the truth um, that's when it starts getting closer to looking like an actual solar system map where there's some planets and moons orbit others, but it's generally in a kind of like uh, greater and greater circles of size. Um, and he incorporated ellipticals, so sort of taking shape, and it was uh, started getting to be the dominant theory. And then, but there's a there's a problem here. Muslim and Christian philosophers are like, yes, this is great, but where does God live? So they put forth the idea that beyond the spheres, beyond this, this, um, this apparatus, they, they were looking at that and being like, what's outside of this? And they were getting scared because there's no, like, what, what happens outside? So they're just like, outside of this is, is God. Outside of this is Empyrean heaven. So it is the, like, physical seat of God. It's sometimes called the heavenly rose or sometimes the mind, the mind of God, which is interesting to me because there's no body. And in fact, in, um, in Dante's comedy, he, he, he goes to Empyrean near the end and he meets God. And uh, I'll read this description of what he sees. But through my sight, which as I gazed grew stronger, that soul appearance, even as I altered, seemed to be changing. In the deep and bright essence of that exalted light, three circles appeared to me. They had three different colors, but all of them were the same dimension. One circle seemed reflected by the second as rainbow is by rainbow, and the third seemed fire breathed equally by those two circles. And then within those circles, Dante can discern the human form of Christ. And then it ends with Dante trying to understand how the circles fit together and how humanity of Christ relates to the divinity, but... Dante finally gives up and he says, that was not a flight for my wings. He can't understand it. And in a flash of understanding, 
Dante finally sees this and his soul becomes aligned with God's love because he submits that he can't understand God. Weird stuff, man. Three yeah. circles, three concentric circles. That's some um, Evangelion shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, Empyrean is also said to be full of fire. It is where um, the interesting wording, it is occupied by the element of fire. So it's not like it's on fire. It's just like fire is there because we're kind of dealing with um, ideal forms, platonic ideals, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think um, fire being a sort of wild and consuming force sort of explains, or at least, I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm making the connection that Empyrean's being chaotic and prone to mood swings has to do with Empyrean heaven being fire. So it's not, it's not a static place, although the fire burns forever but fire is change fire is transformation from one state to another and i think that's sort of the key to understanding it it's like god in that sense isn't a rigid law it is a ever-changing but never ceasing um power yeah yeah there's a great um illustration of empyrean heaven from the divine comedy which I won't uh, talk about, but it's a, the fire and the circles and it's, uh, it's cool. Check it out. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, later, Empyrean was adopted into Christian literature and Christian cosmology in more creationist um, traditions uh, as another word for the firmament, which is a great idea. It is a, a literally a giant solid dome that separates the upper sea from the great deep. So in this cosmology, in this in this map, the earth is flat, of course, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. As it course. is, with uh, vast mountains at its edges, where the and that's where the dome starts. And then the water that we see goes underground and continues past the mountains and over top, so that we're actually kind of this like bubble yeah. underwater. We're yeah, like an underwater, like a snow globe. Yeah. yeah yeah we're like when i was a kid my friends and i my friends and i one friend it'd be insane if i got more than one person to do this we would play in his pool and we would take turns wearing a bucket on our head and the other guy would like shove you down as far as you could go with his feet and like holding on to the the lip of the the ground right to shove you underground that he'd be like a little um a little bucket-headed scuba diver yeah, totally. Well, that's pretty much what like those old diving, what is it called like a diving bell? Is that what that was called? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So then the trick would be to just like stay even so that your air pocket doesn't like flip up and then, and then you just like, you just exist down there. So like that, the earth is sort of that you're just being shoved underwater in like an air pocket and that the Empyrean is what separates water from the rest of it. So I don't know how you could use that um, for your game. It sounds like I don't know if an Empyrean would, would mess with that, but that sounds like a, a fun like pocket dimension to visit where like your your air pocket is under threat and like the whole world is maybe condensed to like a couple kilometers or something. Yeah. Uh, I talked about the, the fire. Um, yeah, platonic ideals, Empyreans. Um, we kind of touched on it, but to make it explicit, you could make Empyreans try to enact platonic ideals. And that's where the problem lies. Yeah, because then it's it's just like a it's like a concept, but in abstract outside of context. Yeah, they right? they live in the world of abstraction like not... and then in the detail material world, trying to achieve idealism causes chaos. Uh, I've got some Empyreans in media. I wanted to find examples. I couldn't find anything that was exactly like this, where they like change the world around them based on their mood. There's versions of it, like the uh, the one you mentioned from. Twilight Zone, but I I went I kind of got sucked into the the Hercules world as like the most the world's most famous yeah. uh, godchild next to um his you know Jesus but uh, Hercules is more fun Hercules is strong he punches he punches guys and that's what I'm signing up for so yeah uh, he, famously yeah yeah he fought a Hydra yeah Jesus yelled at a at a date tree i think the fig tree that's that was his great uh enemy anyways i guess he flipped yeah, he, he trashed a market tables. too he did trash a market yeah he flipped it, some tables 
in a temple. That was pretty rad. That was pretty cool. But yeah. uh, Hercules, I'm not going to get into each labor because we'd be here forever. But um, the, the the 10 or 12 labors of Hercules are each their own uh, D&D adventure. Yeah. Uh, and I love to see this dramatized sometime in a modern way. Uh, the tribe Merlin is in some versions half incubus or even the devil himself is his father. Um, but his mother had him baptized immediately after birth. So he's kind of like, he's kind of a daywalker, Right. Yeah. But he has immense power as a result of his, uh, his origin. And then his story, I don't really, I can't remember. I, I've seen, I don't know how close to original myth the like Merlin television series is, but it's really good. I'm talking, I'm talking Sam Neill, baby. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. I, I wish I could remember more of it. I saw it when I was a kid, uh, but it's good. And I don't, um, I know he has his own origin story, but I don't, it's, it's probably, I'm guessing having to do with like learning what to do with his powers. So like all of these examples um, are about entities with great power learning what to do with it, learning responsibility, learning to accept who they are in the scheme of things. Um, and learning to learning the consequences of not using their powers for good usually or even um i can think of uh i wish i could think of an example but the idea of um people who don't know that they're powerful or i guess yeah like shadow from um american gods or even uh gandalf is sort of this where they don't know that they are what they are yeah and the story is sort of about their awakening to what they are that seems to be a common thread of empyreans in uh um at large freaking people out uh he constructs like a golden jar that he will hide in if hercules ever comes <laughs> like too quickly or like freaks them out i guess you could use that for a game yeah. you know you can make make the players like help an empyrean remember who they are or help them make the right choice even though they don't want to do it right yeah yeah They're being little shits and you have to help them make the right call great little detail um should be in every game uh west yeah yeah, yeah. that could even be I mean, it would depend on how you handle it, but that could even be why the party's sorcerer is a sorcerer. Is there an Empyrean who's just starting to remember who they really are? Oh, yeah. And then that explains the leveling up thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's even... Um, there's like a Pathfinder... Um, kind of... There's a Pathfinder class that is functions like a sorcerer, but is... Um, aligned with the deity so you kind of have like cleric type powers but in the way that a cleric has like a broad spell selection or like a wizard has a broad spell selection but a sorcerer can cast more spells per day and their source comes from within um there's a class of like divine spellcaster who's who's just like naturally so in line with a deity that they're able to cast magic without having to like do the rites or wear their vestments or whatever. Yeah. I think it, um, in five E there's the divine soul sorcerer. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Like that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So it's already kind of in there. It's just kind of name different stuff. Yeah. As is, as is the way with, um, this kind of thing. Okay, that's a monster for you. There you go. That's a that's whole yours. monster. Yeah. You can you can have that one. There you go. Yeah. Himbos that make it rain when they're sad. <laughs> What's next? We got Edercap. Oh yeah. <laughs> Big old spider boy. Yeah, weird spider guys. If you were worried that the monster manual didn't have more ways of combining humans with spiders, don't worry. Yeah. 
Oh, what if a spider was a lumpy dude? Coming up next time. Coming up next time. Okay, bye. All right. Monsters away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he brought spinning to the, the material world. Yeah. Prior to him, no one spun. Sorry, I'm just I'm just full of Star Wars questions. Yeah. We can't we can't we can't get into that. Um American Gods. I don't know if you've seen the show or read the book. Um, but it it concerns basically a Empyrean who doesn't know he's an Empyrean. And then the whole book is kind of him ex- like realizing and accepting his place in things. Hercules in New York, I mentioned already. Basically, Hercules wants to go adventuring, but Zeus wants him to grow up. Uh, but he goes anyways. Zeus gets madder, and then he sets off the things I talked about. And then in the end, Hercules eventually apologizes for disobeying and is ready to come home. Um, and then Zeus is like, welcome home, son. I'm not mad at you anymore. And then as soon as everyone looks away, Zeus uh, leaves to go to Earth because he saw Hercules having such a good time. <laughs> uh which i like i like that yeah stupid, i like that zeus. stupid movie yeah that's it is zeus anyway. yeah a, it's a good it's not very uh doesn't have a lot of fidelity with actual greek myth um except for that part the, the cheeky that is fully what zeus would do yeah 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 he would do it as an animal though yeah he'd show up as like a pigeon or something in new york yeah um so we've mentioned him a little bit jesus is sort of an empyrean um he's not strong in in muscle territory but he has a lot of power over people very charismatic and especially it's kind of the story of him is sort of the story of dealing with the inadequacies of man and his crucifixion um, tests his like faith in his own divinity. Like he doesn't want to do it because it's so physically painful. Yeah. But then he kind of, he accepts and, and takes on his own like divinity. Um, sort of like how Hercules did and shadow yeah. and American gods. Um, so like a lot of even oh uh, Gilgamesh is two thirds. Oh yeah, of a god. totally. He's two yeah. thirds of a god because his mom conceived him in a threesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool fact. Yeah. Cool facts. Uh the whole the whole epic of Gilgamesh is such a fun story. Yeah. Just needs a best friend. Goes and fights the scorpion men that hide the guard the tunnel that the sun goes into when it sets. Yeah. Love that good stuff. Bit. Yeah. Scorpion, Scorpion Man, possibly the world's first monster. First recorded monster. Yeah. Yeah. Props. Yeah. Shout out to Scorpion Man. Um, while we're yeah, respect. Um, while we're doing pop culture Imperians, one, I think, not like mythology-wise, but I think um like the the Marvel Thor to mm-hmm. me, I get like Imperian vibes from because he's i mean i'm I maybe maybe that's more in terms of just like just his capabilities but like he's he's i remember I guess, this like he the is first the God of uh, thunder but he's yeah the first film i remember vaguely i think i might have walked out of it but until yeah uh before i did it was I like because I like the a lot of Marvel movies. I like the first act, and then I get bored as it gets closer to the the yeah. end. Um, but yeah, anyway. But f- in the first Thor movie, a lot of the fun was from how like naive he was. Like put him put a god in a diner kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It smashes the the glass, you know. Yeah, he's you know they don't yeah. do it enough, I don't think. But yeah, that's like the whole. That's the whole thing with Empyrean in the mortal world. So that's that's a good call. Um, yeah, more vibe wise, I get that's 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 Marvel Thor. Yeah, it's an Empyrean, I I would say. Hercules, um, the legendary journeys, the Kevin Sorbo, um, television series. Yeah, had him 
dealing with and fighting off the the monsters and evils created by his family so he was sort of like an an apologetic demigod that show gave me the impression that cauterizing wounds was a far more common occurrence in life than it is because <laughs> he did it like every three episodes i think he had to put a sword into his campfire to like seal his wounds and something about that just like stuck in my brain is like oh that's just like a part of adult life isn't it yeah <laughs> thought i'd be cauterizing a lot more wounds as an adult yeah. it's the same with like quicksand and lava and stuff you'd think you'd see them a lot more yeah yeah i thought the bermuda triangle was like a way bigger problem yeah than it is um merlin is in some versions, half incubus, or even the devil himself is his father. Um, but his mother had him baptized immediately after birth. So he's kind of like, he's kind of a daywalker. Right. Yeah. But he has immense power as a result of his, uh, his origin. And then his story, I don't really, I can't remember. I, I've seen, I don't know how close to original myth, the like Merlin television series is but it's really good i'm talking i'm talking sam neil baby oh yeah yeah uh it's really good i i wish i could remember more of it i saw it when i was a kid uh but it's good and i don't um i know he has his own origin story but i don't it's it's probably i'm guessing having to do with like learning what to do with his powers so like all of these examples um are about entities with great power learning what to do with it, learning responsibility, learning to accept who they are in the scheme of things. Um, and learning to learning the consequences of not using their powers for good. Usually, or even um, I can think of, uh, I wish I could think of an example, but the idea of, um, people who don't know that they're powerful or I guess, yeah, like shadow from um, American gods or even uh, Gandalf is sort of this where they don't know that they are what they are. Yeah. And the story is sort of about their awakening to what they are. That seems to be a common thread of Empyreans in uh, um, at large. I guess you could use that for a game, you know. You could make make the players like help an Empyrean remember who they are or help them make the right choice even though they don't want to do it. Right, yeah. Yeah. They're being little shits that you have to help them make the right call. Yeah. 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 That could even be, I mean, it would depend on how you handle it, but that could even be why the party's sorcerer is a sorcerer. Is there an Empyrean who's just starting to remember who they really are? Oh, yeah. And then that explains the leveling up thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's even, um, there's like a Pathfinder um, kind of, there's a Pathfinder class that is, functions like a sorcerer, but is um, aligned with a deity. So you kind of have like cleric type powers, but in the way that a cleric um has like a broad spell selection or like a wizard has a broad spell selection but a sorcerer can cast more spells per day and their source comes from within um there's a class of like divine spellcaster who's who's just like naturally so in line with a deity that they're able to cast magic without having to like do the rites or wear their vestments or whatever. Yeah, I think in um in Five E, there's the Divine Soul Sorcerer. Okay, like yeah, there we go. Like that. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So it's already kind of in there. It's just kind of name different stuff. Yeah, as is as is the way with um this kind of thing. Okay, that's a monster for you. There you go. That's a that's whole yours. monster. Yeah, you can you can have that one. There you go. Yeah. Himbos that make it rain when they're sad. (laughs) 
What's next? We got Edder Cap. Oh yeah. <laughs> Big old spider boy. Yeah, weird spider guys. If you were worried that the monster manual didn't have more ways of combining humans with spiders, don't worry. Yeah. Oh, what if a spider was a lumpy dude? Coming up next time. Coming up next time. Okay, bye. All right. Monsters away. Bye.